Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steyer-Blondie. This is Roland Ozebal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind the song. Hi, this is Peter Chotty, host of the story behind the song. Each month I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. How exciting is this? Hello, everybody. I'm David Frangioni, CEO and publisher of Modern Drummer Magazine, and what a webinar we have today. If you're into metal, this is the webinar to be at and to see. So let me introduce what's going on today. Let me uh, share a screen here. Okay, great. All right, so today's All Access Hits. It's featuring Josh Wilbur and our crews, who we'll bring on in a minute from Lamb of God. Uh, these guys are absolutely amazing. Josh Wilbur is a world-class producer, especially in the metal world. Uh, just an incredible resume of producing and mixing. So, you know, get your questions ready because it's, it's very rare to have access to a producer at this level. Uh, and he's got so much great insight. And of course, Art Cruz, drummer for Lamb of God, amazing drummer, has so much metal uh, sharing he's gonna do with us on uh, drumming. So I'm David Frangioni, as I said, Metal Mania Part 1 is going to cover drum setup and recording, uh, exercises that Art uses to warm up, practice, and prep to play, course double bass drumming, how to get a metal gig, and, uh, and all the things that happen once you get the gig. And then we're going to talk about our hosts uh, and sponsors today, uh, Minel, Drum Channel, and of course, Modern Drum, and Q&A. So at the end, we're going to have questions and answers. It's, it's the most popular part of our webinars, as you would imagine, because they're your questions that we're going to answer. There's a, a button at the bottom of the Zoom app. And we'll also, of course, be looking at Facebook for our comments. These are produced, these webinars, by Taylor Whipple and One Firefly and Modern Drummer. So Taylor will be joining us uh, for the Q&A at the end as well. And as you all know, because that's why you're here, Lamb of God, the producer, the mixer, and the drummer, are with us today. They have a new album coming out June 19th. They've already been releasing singles, so we'll talk about those as well. And now, without any further delay, let me bring on Art Cruz and Josh Wilbur. Woo! How are we doing? All right. So, welcome. So great to have you guys here. Very Thanks fun. Very happy. It's exciting. We've got literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people all over the world that are looking forward to this. We've been deluged with emails, people asking us, the one ask questions to the both of you. So we'll get to those. And of course, some of the live questions. So let's jump into it. So new Lamb of God record. Uh, Josh produced it. Josh mixed it. Art drummed on it. Let's talk about making the record. Let's talk about the record and basically... Let's start with you, Josh. You, you know, you get the call, new Lamb of God record. Where, what, what happens? What's the process of making the record? And, and let's focus it more on the drum side of it. What, what's, what happens between you and Art making this record? Um, a lot of one-on-one -on -one basketball. 
<laughs> yeah. That's, that's what a lot of happened. Um, well, I, I, Josh, but I don't know about, you know, that's, that's, that's the drumming side. We bounce sticks, not basketball. Um, <laughs> Uh, honestly, like, you know, at this point, it wasn't a super surprise to get a call to be doing the record. Um, I think I'm like six in deep with these guys now. So um, uh, the first one I remember, though, I like jumped up and down on my bed and, and screamed. I was so stoked. Um, well, once you got the call, though, and you're in the studio and you're listening to the songs, how do the drum parts develop? And what, what's your what's in the studio with art look like from the producer side of it? Well, we started out in the, you know, like it starts out with Mark and Willie coming in with riffs. That's the beginning. And then from there, and they, they tend to, you know, write the song with a super rough basic idea of what, you know, like the song's going to feel like. And then once we got the riffs all kind of put together, we went into a rehearsal studio, went into Mark's house in the garage and put them up and just started jamming them and, you know, let Art kind of, do his thing on it. In fact, I think Art can correct me, but I think Checkmate was the first one that we actually jammed out as a band, right? Yeah, that was the first. That was the first one as a band, and the first one that ended up being released, surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker. So Art, when you when, so on Checkmate, your list, your you, you have a reference from the demo, and then from there, what's your approach to kind of figuring out? Okay, this is where this is how I'm gonna this is what the song drumming structure is going to go like. I think the beautiful part about Checkmate and why Checkmate was the first song, um, we kind of just dove straight into that one, right, Josh? It was kind of like that one changed so much from start to finish. So it was one of those things where it already had its thing, but we all realized, man, uh, the, way we, the way our workload was and knowing what was in front of us, <clears throat> we had to kind of dig into the ones that we felt needed the most work. Checkmate was one of those songs. It was a, a, a riff frenzy. And I'm not even talking like, it's just constant riffage of amazing riffs, but it was a little bit too much for a song. It was like so, six minutes long. Yeah. Got cut down. It was a lot. It was a lot of riffs. So, I mean, it, it started from, from that. And uh, we, Josh is, this is where somebody like Josh is so, he's the unofficial official band, stick band member in Lamb of God because you don't realize how important he is until you're really actually digging in with him and having to break something like this down and a song like this apart. And um, it was a, it ended up being a song that was very Lamb of God. And I, I would consider it a very uh, secure starting point for us to even, to get our heads in the right position, right? I would say to, to get going and give us some excitement. It, 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 that's kind of how that song came about. Yeah. And then drum part wise, you're, you know, Josh is editing the song to kind of get the structure down, maybe shorten the song and just kind of, you know, give it, give it a little, little more definition, you know, from an arena. Yeah. Well, they they kind of did that live on, on the floor, you know, like the, the Lamb of God in particular, like it doesn't matter what they do in the computer f to write the songs because they, that's really gets thrown out as soon as we get together as a band, like that's been pretty consistent on every, every record. And, you know, this one was exciting because, you know, art got a fresh look at it and it was actually, it was like fun to see art's excitement over the whole project. And it actually brought like a lot of excitement to the record, you know, like, you know, art would like reference be like, what about like, if we did, you know, and like get super stoked on the next thing, you know, like I'm, I'm a very easily excitable guy. So if art's like, if I just hit the ride, like really fast like that, like super old school. And I'm like jumping up and down, like, this is the coolest thing ever. So like, we kind of got like a feed off on the energy on each other and the, the whole, I don't know, the whole process, like, but, but live as far as structuring the parts, they definitely, it's a jam. It, it becomes a jam, you know, like, they kind of know the parts, but like, you know, they'll play through like two or four, two, you know, four, eight bars of a part and be like, Hey, stop. Everybody stop. Can we just right here do the change to the next part? And then, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Pick it back up. Two, and three, four. And they're in. And when you guys are making the record and you're going through these songs, um, do you wait until all the songs are ready or because Josh, you have your own studio and you could do this in your sleep. Are you just, are you cutting a song as soon as it's like everybody kind of has it together? Or are you waiting until the end to actually track it for real? No, we did this in a, we were like just jamming in Mark's 
garage, like a garage band for the beginning, like, <laughs> you know, like a real band. <laughs> yeah. Did you actually cut it though? Um, we cut actually drums last. Um, oh, it, you cut drums last. You cut drums yeah. all at one shot, like all the songs are ready and then Art plays all the songs down. Yep. At the point, yeah, at the point that I was ready to finally record, it kind of it came to that. And that was, it's not the first time I've done it, but this was the most extensive first time of doing it last and realizing how beneficial. And this is something that's cool. I think, Josh, have you been doing this lately? Like, have you what? been continuing doing the drums last? Like, drums last? Yeah, a lot, a Dude. lot. I mean, I just find that the way that this, this, this song changes so much from start to finish that even like there's already like these rough vocal stems that that are man this is a great vocal line we're keeping this vocal line we're we're solid on this so it's almost easier for me to come back and realize wow i can i can hit some jabs and stabs on those vocal lines that are not moving and uh i'm the last resort so it's kind of like i think we're safe at this point <laughs> we've come we've yeah. come through all we've come through all of the the changes from changing things in guitar world while they're recording guitars changing things when the bass is getting laid out and uh, so on and so forth so i think in, being last is fun <laughs> in particular in momentum more there's a great example of what he's talking about um that being like the second single they've released it, it there's the last chorus does like an extra vamp and randy screaming wake up wake up wake up and like you know we didn't know that art was going to end up like stacking like snare and china's like right on top of randy to like emphasize it that was like a last minute the day of recording type of thing, you know, cause yeah. we knew the vocals and arts playing to the record. So he just naturally starts like adding accents around the vocals. It was, it was great. That's a big moment. Yeah. In the song too. That's amazing. Uh, I love it. That really makes a huge difference in all of the nuances that come out on the track for art to be able to, to really play to those. Like you would live. If somebody starts vamping, you hear it and you Boom. Jump you're on. jamming. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. It really, and it comes through. You know, it's come on the, the songs I've heard. It comes through. So I mean, especially but, Josh, right? Sorry, Josh. When you're recording last drums, last it's like one of those things where it's when we're recording real drums at this point. You're like, it's there now. It's like it's it's easier for us to move it around once you're there, right? I mean, kind of like if you're programming drums and stuff like that, it's one of those things that's easy. But I mean. Real drums, you it you have to do it the right way. <laughs> yep. And what, that that, uh, that actual Memento Mori part is one of my favorite parts on the record because right after that China thing, he does the sickest fill ever. And Art promised me if they if they play if they play live, if we ever get out yeah. of this quarantine, then uh, yeah. and we get concerts again, Art's gonna play that fill with one hand in the air. Yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> we'll pulling out the to the top balcony where I am. <laughs> that's the goal. That's the goal. I love it. That's well. That's that's cool as hell. Let me, uh, let's jump into, I'm going to share my screen again and let's jump into drumistic things for a second. Mm -hmm. So yeah. shifting gears. So you use Vic Firth 2B? Yes, sir. And the, and the gloves. So t take us through your setup and, uh, and you know, why you use the gloves, the sticks, like just the thought process behind what you use, uh, you know, what you're using and why. And, and how, yeah, how the, other uh, metal drummers can learn from this. Absolutely. I think uh, the important part about playing metal is actually hitting with passion, hitting with uh, just with power. You know, I'm a, I'm a very hard hitting drummer. Uh, and the thing that's beautiful about that with something like Vic Firth and Vic Gloves, um, I kind of go approach it as a baseball batter. Uh, it's very he hits a batter. I'm swinging for the fences constantly. So it's like I'm my pine tar is my Vic wax, and it's the new Vic wax that they put on to add some extra uh, grip for say. And then the gloves are more not for grip for me, somebody like me, but to protect my hands at the same time because I'm I'm really hitting really hard. Um, so. The gloves are something to protect my hands, all while being able to lay into the, the kit and have some, some grip uh, stability. But the Vic Wax is uh, one little touch that I add that really helps the grip. And a heavy 2B, um, I mean, that's a big stick. Uh, even for fast metal drumming, it's a big stick. But like I've been thankful to have gotten used to that stick over the years. And it has the right weight, the right whip, the right power. It's just fully balanced for me to, to be able to hit hard and uh, stay consistent, man. So um, 
that 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 three part gloves sticks and the stick wax is my 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 go-to for sure and my, my drum tech uh p king he he likes to uh hack it a little bit with a razor blade and give some extra rivets in it to very vinnie paul style um for even more grip uh so it's very rare that i'm dropping sticks uh <laughs> but <laughs> but i'm but i'll be breaking some sticks um before dropping them and then tell us about your pedals because i know that's another secret weapon of yours is your bass drum pedals Absolutely. I've been playing the same pedals for 11, almost 12 years now. It's the Trick Dominator pedals. Um, since I was about 19, 20 years old, I've been using those pedals and I've never changed them. It's a, essentially a long board, um, but I've been using a, a heel-toe technique. And I know there's, a, there's such a modern, uh, there's a modern twist on the heel-toe technique um, for, I think, a lot of death metal drummers and very uh, speed metal drumming when they're using triggers and kick, and kick drum triggers like that. Um, but when you're somebody like me that really wants to lay into the drum and, and focus on the power that you're getting behind it, the trick pedal has that power. There's, there's a lot of other pedals and longboards out there, but the trick pedal allows me to do my heel-toe technique without losing that whip and that power. And they also have these dead blow beaters, these new dead blow beaters that are insane. So that's my combination go-to 100%. Okay, and then minor yeah. symbols... Are there specific symbols with Meinl for metal that you just feel are like a must-have in a metal rig? Yeah, I think me and Josh can agree on the same type of chinas and the same uh, crash symbols. Uh, we use the Byzance medium-thin crashes a lot on uh, on our on our record as They're well. Incredible. He's a big yeah, he's a big fan of the Byzance, uh, the eighteen-inch. Um, it's a traditional one that you're running. Uh, I, I like brilliant stuff because they look they look nice, <laughs> but there's a little more brightness in those. But this one has a lot more cha uh, action in it, and uh, the size is perfect. But Minel symbols all the way. Been been with them for again over ten years. Uh, they uh, I think it's the, the um, I was gonna say Soundcaster. They don't make those anymore, but that's how long I've been with them. Uh, they make the uh, the dark the new dark crashes and dark chinas uh, that are awesome symbols. So. Very versatile symbols, an option for everything. Yeah, you got a lot of effect symbols too. Yeah, and I'm running a lot of these neat, nice little filter crash, trash crashes on the left-hand side, as well as on the right, uh, that keep it really thin, but kind of cut, cut through the mix uh, without over, overbearing, overpowering. There's a lot of symbols in people's setups that are just like, you can't mic them, or they don't need to be mic'd, and they're just very uh, screechy raw. And these ones, I found like on this record, I had to find a nice balance and Josh was really helpful with that. We've made a lot of switches in, in the studio with symbols, um, but not a lot. I mean, even from the start, yeah, not too much. right, Josh? It's pretty much like, your, even when, your normal setup yeah. for the most part. Yeah, thankfully. Thank, thank you, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, very, I feel like a big part of recording a drummer is not having them like change up their routine too much because, I mean, that's the whole point, right? If I'm just going to make it sound the way that I want it to sound, it's, I'm just, why would I not just program it at this point in time like if i want yeah. to hear art play i, I want to hear his kit so well and josh aren't you a drummer at least at some point in your career yeah. your instrument? Yeah. yes you are yeah you are josh come on i baby. can like i can i can come up with like good ideas and you know convey it be like all right i want you to do something like this but can you execute it because i can't you know like you know uh i mean it's been on decades since i've sat behind a kit to actually like play Enjoy. play you know what i mean yeah you know i mean i i program stuff here real quick in my studio with the v drums and it's like a definite case of close enough and i'll figure it out in the computer later you know but it helps in producing it does it does i certainly have a, a a good understanding of what can be pulled off and you know like what um i think i'm good at like pushing a guy like art to the top of his ability and being like hey Try it. I know this is a little out of your comfort zone, but I'm pretty sure because my general rule is like I'm a hack of a drummer. And if I think I can almost do it, then a guy like Art can definitely do it. <laughs> how many times how many times did I say that? I'm like, no, 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 you can do it because I can almost do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your, so your ideas are not going to, you know, you don't have any limitation to what you can really come up with for drum parts because you got a guy like Art who can play them. Yes. For so, the most, yeah. <laughs> which is really cool. I mean, Especially feet, man. Art's feet are unreal, dude. Art, Art's got like, like 
Art's the real deal in the metal drummer feet department. Like, actually in the all drummer yeah. department, but like, but you know what? Thank what you don't know about Art is he can play some mean tower power licks too. Oh, you better believe it. <laughs> oh man, that's I've never been able. That's the thing, uh, David. It's like there's come a time now where I'm realizing, man, like I've been so busy from the start of my career to till up until now that I've never had a chance to really like be able to like just play drums to to have fun. Not that I'm not having fun, but you know what I'm talking about. Just just jam and not have to be learning a song or writing a song and this and this and that. But Tower of Power, uh, David Garibaldi licks are like one of my favorite. There's just you ever studied with David or anybody like him? Never. I don't I don't study enough. And this quarantine has woken woken me up to to do that. So trust me, I, that's something I've been like, okay, now's the time. I have no excuses. I have nothing but time. Let's figure it out. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And that, and that extra, extra vocabulary. So speak, so in the, so let's finish the kit out. And then I want to get to some, some drum technique stuff or exercise. And of course, as Josh said, so Tom's uh kick drums what just in just run a kit real quick in terms of sizes drum heads what's your what's the rest of the rig look like definitely so i'm running with the the whole ship is ran by gibraltar hardware thankfully because i use a lot of a lot of stuff um but uh all of which that i use thankfully i see a lot of big drummers out there don't use everything i love using everything uh so gibraltar hardware i'm running with the evans uh, ec2 clear heads on all my toms and surprisingly, getting into heads with this recording, we, I was, we were trying so many different heads. I mean, I was trying all kinds of different heads. And they would work for what we needed them for. Unfortunately, I, was, I hit really hard. And we just could not. I think it was like, Josh, every verse, every, just going into every verse, we were just. Yeah, it was honestly very frustrating. Like, art is, uh, like, art definitely swings on the snare like a baseball bat. And we ended up using a head that just being totally honest is not like my favorite <laughs> sounding head but it survived the beating that art was putting on it because at one point i was like art can't get in a flow like i wanted him to use like a thinner head um like uh i, I don't remember what it was but i wanted him to use like a thinner version like an evans head and he like i couldn't even get through a verse without it just being toast like the pitch is like like you just hear it stink it would almost be like one hit in the middle and he's like he's a it's not like uh it's weird like it's art has great technique it's just a very strong technique and it's not like he's not rebounding or anything like that it's just it's just super solid hitting and i eventually eventually i was like all right i have to accept that i'm gonna lose this battle i gotta i can't Art needs to be able to get in a groove. I can't be stopping him every verse and let the guy not play his drums. So I yeah. just had to go to a head that was a little thicker than I would have chose tone wise, but I'd give up that for the ability to let the man play his instrument, you know? And yeah, that was the, uh, the sound Josh at that point. Like how did you get ultimately get the sound you want? You just yeah. Yeah. It all came out great. I mean, it's all, you know, everybody, the room, the room a, helped. Yeah. We were at 606, <laughs> which is a sick studio. Um, the whole thing was great. It's, 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 it, it was all fine, but you know, like that's it, part of making records, you know, like there's a, there's a give and take balance always with every instrument in, in, uh, in what works for the player and what works for you. That's just part of the, it's just part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And for those watching that, that was the Evans hybrid, uh, Kevlar head, uh, the, the hybrid, uh, marching slash drum kit head that they released. And I've been using that for a long time. It's redeveloped itself even more, and that's the head that we ended up going with, thankfully, and it, it, that's the one that lasted. Yeah, they can stop bullets, <laughs> yeah. and they can stop art swing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, good time. what rounds out the rest? What? How many toms do you use? What are the sizes? Uh, Ten-inch rack tom, twelve-inch rack tom, sixteen-inch floor tom on my right, and Joshua's. I and this happened. I've never played this before. Never did the battle, the war drum floor tom, double floor tom thing. Uh, I tried it once and I had them backwards. I had the 16 on my left and then 18 on my right. But Josh has a very, very valid point. And I see drummers that still keep that 16 on the left and go to the right where you have to cross over. But he has a point where it's like you only hit that so often uh, in so many different parts. Like I think to get the, the consistent power behind both of them, add the 18 on the left. So we ran with an 18 inch on my left hand side. So 
it looks a little funky because I haven't really seen it too often, but it's, it worked for me. So 10, 12, 16 on the right, 18, uh, 22, 18 inch kicks. Uh, and the 13, I think the snare we used, snare size was a 13, five and a half on, on the, on the, uh, the recording, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's your snare, whatever. I don't know what the, yeah. it's 13 though. 13, seven, 13, seven. So okay. that's my deep, size. I love 13.7, yeah. It was a deep snare, but it was a 13. So it was like you got depth and it had a little more crack. Crack, absolutely. I love the crack, but I love the, the body of, of, a, of a seven for sure. And which snare did you use? It's a, it, it was a crush snare and it was a, uh, it's considered the, high, I think it's the multi-species uh, wood snare. There's a bunch of different woods. Yeah. Oh. It's actually funny. Yeah. I, did, uh, I did Trivium and Lamb of God almost back to back. And they were in the same room, and both Art and Alex play white crush kits. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. Super <laughs> random, but like. <laughs> yeah. It's not they were working. Why it just happened to be. It just so, worked out that way. So, so with this heavy hitting that you do, what is your? What are some exercises for your hands? We'll get to your feet in a second, but for your hands, what are some exercises that you do to warm up, to practice, to build up the stamina? And, and just the chops, basically, to be able to 100%. hit what you do. Uh, I would definitely have to listen to some Santana first. <laughs> That's my ultimate, ultimate move. And I was talking to Josh about this. I was like, and Josh had, Josh realized, like, yeah, I think you're right. You, yeah. I don't actually have a warm-up routine with rudiments or sticks. It's a very Gene Hoagland approach in the, in the sense of metal. Uh, Gene picks up, uh, he wraps three, three sticks in each hand. And he literally just sits there and does this for like 10 minutes. I use the exact same technique. And, but it's, there's, there's different important aspects to my warm-up routine. And it's, a, it's an hour process. Uh, and that's a stretching routine. I really prep my body. And it's almost like a light yoga routine that I do to really get in the zone. And uh, usually it's kind of like a pitcher. I'm, I'm a big baseball fan. So I, I like to prep like pitchers do. Most of them are not talk, are they're not they're in their own world. They're just they're not talking to anybody. They're doing their stretches. They're doing their routines, and not to mention they don't really they're not throwing too many bullpen pitches. Uh, they're they're prepping their body though to prepare for the game. I'm the same exact way. So when it comes to prepping, a lot of stretching, finger stretches, uh, forearm stretches, uh, everything from arms. All my limbs have to be fully relaxed and loose. But I don't find myself picking up a pair of sticks until that intro kicks. I've, it, 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 was, it might be a, a mental uh, trick, but I have a routine like we all do. I know most drummers that are in, in show business uh, have a thing. Some people take showers before they play and, or they have to count to 10 and do all these weird things. But uh, for me, I don't pick up a pair of sticks until my drum tech clicks that intro and then bam. Then I'll pick up the sticks, loosen up a little bit, and that's literally my prep. Uh, I wish I can, I wish I had a, a more, actually, I don't wish I had a more in-depth in routine uh, with warming up because I don't, but it works Hopefully you me. open up with Omerta. Yeah. As long as I'm opening up with a slow song, I'm just kidding. But it, 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 I find, I find sometimes for me what it works. And in my opinion, if you're over analyzing your practicing and, but this is for just for me, um, I found that for me, when I started to really like focus and try and warm up and do uh, practice rudiments or songs, um, song parts that have been bugging me, I end up taking my, that with me onto the stage. So some of us are really good at that. Some of us, unfortunately, can take that negative, oh man, I was, I was messing this up in my warm-up routine. Oh, it's okay, I'll knock it out on the stage. And then you just blow it even harder on stage. So I kind of just go in cold, just cold turkey, bam, let's, let's rock and roll. And, and I, I'm a jam, I'm a jam drummer. I love uh, late 60s and 70s and like I said funk and things music like that so it's a very loose uh, approach but you do use the 10 minutes of the three sticks in each hand or is it entirely yeah. it's, 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 it's it, I don't even touch the sticks entirely stretching entirely stretching uh, I usually pound a, a Gatorade or any type of electrolytes beforehand uh, as well as uh, I can't deny red bull and and a cup of coffee if necessary but that's that's literally it that's literally it without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay. Well, the short answer is, I don't warm up. I don't warm up. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's, it's it's very much a warm up though in terms of I mean he's he's prepping as he said he's prepping yeah. to play the show and in uh, order to play yeah. the show and play the music with that yeah. level of physicality you figured out how to get your body to be able to perform at its highest level. Thankfully, thankfully, yeah, because I, I I've tried I've I want to like it's one of those weird things I want to like I want to get on a pad and I want yeah get the dressing room coming in I'm like what's going on brother yeah. I just, <laughs> Prepping. What's well, up, Brad? Like people walking. Can't talk, by. guys. Can't talk. Can't talk. Double strokes right now. <laughs> All right. Well, that no, that's incredibly insightful. I yeah. know a lot of metal drummers will learn yeah. that and be able to apply it and understand that the psychology of it and the physicality of it are are the most crucial things for your routine and 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 an hour of getting in the zone and yeah. prepping your body. That's a, quite a warm up routine. It is. It is. I would say it, it's, uh, I can't, I can't compare it to being in the studio. I was freaked out the entire time. So I didn't really, I was kind of just probably sitting in a corner and just, you know, and then finally we ended up coming up with this nice coffee con- concoction and it kind of, yeah, let's do it. Woo! <laughs> a, lot of, so, it, a lot of iced coffee. So how yeah, do you, a lot of iced coffee. let's go to your feet, Josh yeah. Wilbur. Uh, he says that your feet are absolutely phenomenal. He's heard the fastest in the, in the world and worked with a lot of them, <laughs> right? I've yeah. seen a lot of amazing double bass drum, uh, drummers. And I, I think what, you, what you're able to play is absolutely incredible. So share Thank some you. tips as to how to develop your feet to that level. Uh, I mean, like I, there was a long time ago, I, I, like I said, I mentioned, uh, I touched on my heel toe technique, but it's an older variation of the heel toe technique it's not so much for consistency uh for consistently just doing the same thing over and over and over it's more of a stamina thing uh i save a lot of energy using my foot technique um whether it be starting starting uh songs with with the heel toe and finishing off with the power of my legs and my calves but i found uh i run every day i run every single day too i haven't ran yet I wanted to do this first, but I'm ready to run. I got my shorts on and everything. But I, uh, I run every day. I keep my wind up, and I do a lot of leg workout stuff. I, my legs aren't huge, but I work on the calves, and I like to run on, the, on the, uh, my toes to keep my calves powerful. Um, so that does help uh, for what I'm doing. But I think over the years, I've just developed these really weird, weird techniques that I've never really seen. I think my right foot when I'm going fast kind of just turns itself like this and it just works for me. I've never really had a full on uh, explanation of how, how to get um, your chopped up faster, but the best tip I can give is to really start slow. And I'm more of the, I like the, um, the depth the def- defining like notes. I like to separate each note of each kick drum hit. It's very important to me to keep them very separate and, and their own, in their own world, just the power equally in each one. So I start off slow most of the time. Uh, and I find that it's super important to just to, to be able to break each note separately and have these, these flutters and uh, different patterns and uh, things that you're doing and just keeping them in their own world, you know? When you, you know, so okay. what you accomplished is from just doing it, right? Figuring out this is the technique that'll get me the speed and control and I just got to play and play and play to, to that's get it. faster. That, that's where my persistence is for sure. Um, there's, a bu- there's a bunch of guys in the metal world. And like, you know, if you've ever heard the term that like uh, triggers are cheating, I would like to go on record saying it's the exact opposite. True. Um, yeah, because the reality is with the speeds that a lot of these guys play at, you know, like, uh, you know, Art or an Alex Bennett or uh, Mario from Gojira, like, they all have, like, blistering fast feet. And you're not going to hear how how even your hits are without triggers, realistically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because at that speed, and it, a lot of these guys have great power at that speed too, but it's never going to be as, 
as powerful it is if you were just playing a four on the floor at like a reasonable tempo. It's just, that's the way it is. Same way if you were just, you know, like, yeah. but if you have a, a, like triggers going along and you're monitoring it when you're practicing, there is no denying how well you're playing and how even your hits are. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it is, it's the best way to really hear how accurate your feet are and then also if you're sloppy too because then you know like if if you're a sloppy player you're going to get missed triggers or it's not going to trigger you know like they in a weird way train you to be more solid yeah definitely brings up the consistency of uh each each note like you i was saying very true uh i i've been using the same technique again and the triggers i agree with josh it's like everybody can can go on on say that they're they cheat or whatever but it's once you mess up, you're, you, everybody hears when you mess up. If you're triggering, you hear it. You yep. hear it. You and hear if it. you're and not especially when you're yeah. enough, it's going to go away and you're going to lose it and it's gone. Like it's just no denying how solid you're playing. Yeah. And I imagine when you're battling David, when you're battling a band, like, like I'm talking, you're battling a heavy metal band with guitars and bass and somebody screaming to be able to really have that full balance of the band triggering is, I'm totally for that, for keeping the band sound tight as hell, for sure. And you trigger your bass drums then? I do both. We, I think we mic live. I mic, uh, we have a, a mic inside on my pillow as well as on the hole and then triggering on top of that. Yeah, so we did the same part process. Yeah. What do you use for an interface that tracks the speed that works for you to go from the piezo trigger to the actual sound? Uh, I'm using the, T, the Roland TM2. Uh, it's that new, it's one of their latest ones. It's for budget. I'm a, I'm a kid that comes from budget. I, I didn't have everything growing up, so I needed to find a budget. I used to use the Alesis DM5 <laughs> forever. I'm sure every metal drummer that is around my age used the same thing. I imagine some are still doing that uh, on the reggae setting, not to mention. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I roll with the, the TM2 because uh, it was one of the first ones to be able to incorporate your own, your own uh, sample. Uh, and really kind of dig into the settings and make sure that, you know, you find your comfort zone with that. So that's what I've been running and the rolling triggers as well. Uh, there was a, there was a long time I was using, which I, I, I kind of go back and forth. Uh, trick makes a, a detonator. Uh, it's a laser trigger that's on your pedal and that has some of the most incredible accuracy. So I like to kind of go back and forth and see what works. I use both of them very often. Oh, that's fantastic. So I've never even heard of that one. Actually have a connection to send Absolutely. a trigger pulse. Wow, that must track. Uh, it, 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 it reacts on the beautiful thing about that specific trigger. And I might be going back to it soon too, but instead of uh, accessing a signal for hitting, it access it, the signal when something stops. It, it, it's when you cut off the symbol, the s signal, excuse me. Uh, so it's a constant running signal, but it will not send it to the brain until that signal stops. I think. Oh, you're saying it breaks the laser. Like it breaks the laser. It breaks, breaks, the laser. The laser. Yeah, it yeah, breaks yeah. it versus, uh, versus activating it. So I think the, that millisecond of accuracy is extremely helpful. I mean, and uh, I've been actually messing with my settings too. And I think there's, I've had a couple of delays in, in, in my recent ones. And Josh has noted that. So. I've been working a lot at trying to really, again, refine tune my triggering aspects for sure. And dial it in. Yeah, because when dial we record it in. it in Pro Tools, it becomes very obvious, like, like any kind of latency issues between the actual kick drums and the, the, the thing. And, and it, you know, at a, at a medium tempo, it's not such a big deal. But when you're really moving fast, like it's, you, you'll, yeah, you'll notice you'll if, it, it. if the latency isn't dialed in. No, that's amazing. That's, that's, a, I, that's an incredible innovation. Uh, you know, of all yeah, the things I've heard of, that's a really cool one that I have not Art. seen other guys using. So I got to check that out. Yeah, definitely do. I love SB1, it. SB1, the, the SB1 trigger system. The SB1 trigger system. And it's yeah. primarily, it's a beater, right? That you can put on any pedal. It's actually, it's, it's, it's right now, I think they might be working on it for every pedal, but right now it's, it's uh, specifically for trick pedals. Okay. Uh, but it's a mount that goes on their, on their pedal. Okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah. awesome. So I'm going to share something with everybody right now um that just before we go to the to the next section there's a great book on double bass drumming i just want everybody to know about by bobby rondinelli and michael loren it's published by modern drummer it's on digital so you can get it on apple kindle or in print it's a phenomenal phenomenal book and it will take 
all of the things that Art is doing with his technique and will give people structured exercises to apply it with and to play. Uh, and I think it's a really, really powerful tool for, for everyone to use. So now we're gonna go into the audience's favorite part, right? It's hard to pick one part because you guys have given such a, an incredible download of insight and information and, and tips for people to, to apply to their own playing and, uh, and drumming and studio and production careers. So let's go into the Q&A. So our producer, Taylor Whipple, we got lots of questions. We're not gonna keep these guys here all day. So we're just gonna get through some of them because there's just way too many. We'd literally be here for a week. So Taylor, jump in and let's hit these guys with some questions. All right, let's do it. Uh, first question for Art. Uh, Art, Mike asks, what was the most challenging song you had to learn when you joined Lamb of God? The most challenging song, it'd probably have to be uh, Ruin. Uh, it's a very uh, old Lamb of God song that has a very old uh, Chris Adler technique. And that's kind of where I got my foot technique is using that heel toe. It's, I mean, I, I looked up to the guy, I still do. Uh, so he was practically like a mentor to me. And uh, he, that song in particularly is what inspired my, my foot technique. Um, so that not only was that the one that inspired me, it was one of the most challenging because they, I never found the time to really like, oh, let me learn this song. It is extremely <laughs> difficult. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I know I realized that when I was learning it. So uh, Ruin uh, would have to be a, a very difficult one because feet work, again, circling back to all of us talking about my feet, um, it's the most important part. If your feet aren't on, I don't think you're on. So uh, that song was probably the most difficult. Great question. All right, Mr. Whipple. Next question. This one's for Josh. Josh, how does working with Art and Lamb of God compare to some of the other metal and hard rock bands that you've worked with in the past? Um, Art is on the top tier for sure. Uh, because there's all, there's plenty of metal and drummers in particular. Um, it's kind of tough because it's, there's a lot of finagling behind the scenes in the recording process of a lot of like metal drummers for sure i've been fortunate enough to work with some of the best and you know i guess i can privately know who the real deals are and art is you know i mean i actually i should i gotta be careful because all the guys on the, the top tier that i've worked with are legitimate you know your your art cruises your alex bands your marios they like i've been very fortunate to work with incredible drummers um uh, and drummers basically as you would define incredible that you don't have to fix a lot of stuff and change a lot of stuff around like you're more like capturing their incredible playing as opposed to trying to create and, and nudge it along a little bit for sure you know like uh, I mean honestly it's been a long time I guess I still have like bad memories of like recording guys that weren't good, like real early in my career. It's honestly been a very long time since I haven't recorded anybody that was great, but um, art is definitely on the top tier list, I guess mostly because he can not only just play metal, he can play other types of stuff. And like, actually when you, when, you know, when this slam of God record does come out, there's a couple tunes where there's going to be some new things that you've never heard on a lamb of God record. Um, it's just a, it's an expansion on the on what they're gonna do now. Well, that's fantastic. Well, we can't June nineteenth, everybody. The new Lamb of God record and Josh and Art's creation and the, and the rest of the band. It's it's gonna be an awesome record. Uh, June nineteenth. So Taylor, what else we got? All right, this one going back to you, Art. Uh, Noah asks in regard to hand speed. Is there any specific exercise or rudiment that you personally use? to speed up blast beats? Uh, just single strokes. Uh, I, I mean, it's like, I, there's nothing better than, than single strokes and separating, again, the separation of each note is so important to me. I find that that's important, not just with the speed, but clearly your hands are important too. But um, if you are trying to bring up your speed to blast beats, I mean, I don't blast beat much anymore like I used to, uh, but when I do, um, I'm definitely just working on, I use a lot of my arms, uh, again, back to the focusing on the power of each of each hit. Um, I kind of found this groove with uh, 
David could probably help me on the term for this. I'm not that good at it, but <laughs> it's just like a, it's just, I'm almost like accenting, but really with the power of each, each note behind, it's like, I'm just, I'm accenting on that, on that uh, first, right? Is, is that are, you, the first are, you hitting, are you hitting doubles with an accent? On yeah. The yeah. Okay. It's almost like I'm doing heel toe, but with the stick. Right. While right. focusing like on, a, on, on the like snare. a push pull almost very push pull. Um, but there's power on each one. So if the first hit is down, there's power coming from this, this section right here at my wrist. And if the next one is up, it's, I'm driving into the snare drum at the same time. So it's, it's never a finger thing uh, for me. It's never a finger thing, but I found that driving and just using the bounce of my arm is where I get that. Uh, no wrist action for me, but I, I like to, my, my, my tip would want to be to just use your arms. Use, just <laughs> use your power of your arms. Well, and singles, <laughs> because there's no room at the speeds you're playing and the power no. that you have to get, there's no room for doubles and, and other things like that. Other, maybe if you do some cool fill or you're doing a solo and you want to mix up some rhythms, but in the yeah. context of the music, it's, it seems yeah. pretty clear that it's very power singles, both hands and feet to Absolutely. really get, to really get what you need out of the music. To get the full effect, especially with my blast beats. So, and, uh, and also my tempos, I kind of stick around the same thing. I mean, I'll go up to like 200, but I'm still, I have to have the power behind it. I'll never go above anything that doesn't have power. There's a great moment on the new record that Art, it, talk about recording drums last and coming up with things kind of on the fly. Like there's like a very long guitar break build kind of section on the record. And, you know, we're just recording and there's supposed to be just silence in there in the drums and Art just kind of feeling it. And it's funny, at, at 6.06, the way they record, like, actually, Art's back is to me, like, through the glass. I can only see him through the back. And I just, like, all of a sudden, he just starts doing this crazy fast single-stroke roll, just ramping up with the guitar, like, a amazing crescendo. And, and he's like, Duh! and he like, just comes to a dead stop, and he just, turned, he just turns around. <laughs> and I just see him grin at me, like, well, what do you think of that? <laughs> and then he comes in on the one and it was like an amazing moment and it's actually on the record like just like that uh, yeah I can't wait single stroke great. blistering the single strokes are the way the way the way forward <laughs> on really getting your metal chops together is practice them and 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 develop upper body for the power in your hands and lower body especially your calves for power in the feet and the agility Absolutely. all right so Absolutely. mr Whipple, we, we gotta we all gotta right you guys go in the year 2020 so two more questions. <laughs> two more questions. All right, going back to you, Josh, when you take on a project, what do you look for in terms of your vision for the drums as it relates to the overall sound? Um, man, I don't know. That's a tough, that's a... It's, well, it's based on each project. You listen to the, you know, you get a sense, like you said earlier, you you let the drummer be the drummer that they yeah are. i guess i guess it's how do i fit that drummer into in the into the band and let it sound like them i think it's really impo you know important that it sounds you know art is, we used art's kit we use the symbols that he uses live you know barring if something is like drastically not working like i'll swap it out you know like every once in a while I'll crash with the mic with the room whatever maybe it's not working but for the most part i try really hard to let um the drummer use their kit which makes it you know like you know it really gives an identity to the record i mean like like that's half the reason we don't program drums nowadays right like i like every record will have its own identity like art's gonna sound like art you know tino from of mice and men's a great drummer and he i wanted the their record to sound like him um alex is really great drummer. i wanted to sound like him and, and for all those records i make it a point to uh, yeah, just to use their kit and try to find a way to sonically make it work within the picture of the band. I mean, I, I, that way, if you go to see them live, it's going to sound like the same band, which is another kind of thing I'm always, I am often thinking about. Like, I want you to go to a show and it to sound like the same band. Definitely. The, the interesting thing about that is, is how much people, a lot of people until they get in the studio don't realize that there is a complete art form and approach and very deliberate experience that you have to gain and bring to a project to let a drummer be 
the drummer that they are. People don't realize that when you get into the studio, a lot of time the first thing producers want to do is is kind of take their approach and their vision and what they know works and say, okay, you're going to do it this way and that way and this way. And, and the musicians, especially the drummer, are like, oh, whoa, wait a second. Like, that's not, that's a completely left turn from how I play every day. And Josh, one of the secrets to your success is very clearly from what you're describing that you've mastered the art form of, hey, I want the best I can get out of this band and out of the musicians, and I'm going to figure out how to capture that, give them my feedback, give them my, my opinion and, and, and kind of, you know, alternative view of how to get the best results, but really capture the essence of it. It's for sure a balance, you know, like you want it to sound good and you want it to fit within the picture of the band, but you definitely don't want to like cripple the, the artist in doing what, especially with the band, you know, you got Lamb of God's a great example. Like, I mean, they've been a band for so long. They, they know exactly what they want, you know, and like the, and you know, we break it down to drums or guitar tone or anything, you know, like they come in with a very, like in this particular record, Willie came in and was like, I know I want to use this. I want it to be like, you know, and then Mark obviously had his thoughts on that and he wanted to use this and that. And then there, then in lies the balance of the band. Right. But there's always, without that, there's no signature to the band. It, like I, I like sometimes a lot of metal records, I call it producer metal because it does, you're, you're like, this could be any band. You're like, it, the records literally sound like another band that did the exact, you know, like to me, that's the same that, producer. I, I, I think like if, real talk if people they're like generally i try not to do too many things like what we're doing right now because real talk once we start talking about the producer a lot like we've kind of i maybe i messed up like right like it should you should be talking about the band you should be talking about what a great performance that the the, the guys did on the record in my opinion okay so well, i guess did that answer the question <laughs> i don't even know if it answers the question oh totally did it's your philosophy that Definitely. you are you you know it's like they call some people refer to it like you know, the fly on the wall, but with the, with the power of how the record's going to sound, right? Sure. So it's kind of a, right? You're like, you take that approach that like, hey, I, I don't want to get in the way of anything, but I'm going to make sure that in, within my role that this thing comes out amazing. Yeah, you're, you're the quality check, the checks and balances at the end. So, you know, the, yeah, <laughs> I think I did have beaten it to the ground. So I know there's a drum question next for Art. Taylor, you got a thousand of them. Pick one. All right. Here's the next one for Art. Uh, this person asked, "What about odd time, odd time signatures? How do you approach learning odd time signatures? And any tips for drummers to develop in that area?" Do we do much of that? No. I'm so <laughs> well. For one, for one, I'm terrible at math. So you got that going. So that's part one. Uh, part two, I'm terrible at music theory. Part three, I am still weirdly and not a surprise inspired by Mike Portnoy. So I would suggest watching Mike Portnoy. <laughs> he can teach you and help you with time signature stuff. But at the end of the day, I've never really fully gotten, I've never dug into odd time signatures um, in any group that I've ever been in, uh, whether it be Winds of Plague Prong and now Lamb of God. I've never, we've never really dabbled with uh, odd time signatures, but if I can suggest, I can just suggest Mike Portnoy, obviously. Uh, that's the best I, answer. I'm so sorry, but like, I, I, have I am a not a guy. There's a question that just came in. Was the technique on 512 hard to learn? Uh, no, in a way, because it, until you actually watch how it was done, uh, it found its, its own groove. I think there's a floor tom you're doing triplets between the floor. You're making a triplet. You're creating a triplet with the floor tom and two uh, bass notes. Uh, Josh can probably explain that in theory. Uh, <laughs> is the floor tom the first of the triplet? Is it floor Correct. kick, floor kick, yeah. kick? Floor okay. kick, kick. But meanwhile, you're keeping, you're keeping time on your, on your ride. And you're, but you're in a 4-4 four, four beat, right, Josh? And it's just like the, the snare is on the two and four. And it's just but you're creating that first note is the floor tom and doing a, a if, if I can explain it in art cruise form, it's a shugga doom We speak a lot of that in the studio. Yeah. There's a lot of that talk. You need like a gagga doom 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 ka. Like that's what we need. Yeah. Art and I speak the same language like that. 
Yeah, thankfully, thankfully. <laughs> and I, I think, uh, but that song was, uh, it was, it wasn't overly complex. It was a really fun groove though. Um, uh, Josh and Chris obviously crushed that record too. So it's like, there's a lot of cool stuff in that song in particular. That, that groove was a little bit weird at first. Yeah, the shuffle on the back half is a little weird. The shuffle on the back half is And the thing is, back to that, my previous statement, David, it's like the separation and practicing the very pivotal separation of each note is so important to me. And that, so it was difficult at first learning that part in that song, but... I've already focused on that's the kind of drummer I am. I want to make sure that each hit is extremely separate and its own thing. That's a perfect example of it. And it's really repetition that is your, is one of the keys to your, you put the work in and you just keep working on it until you get that separation, which the first time any drummer plays any lick, no matter how good of a drummer they are, it never sounds the same as if you just work on it and work on it and work on it. And you can really get that. It's, it's a nuance that, only really pays off after a lot of work on it, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's just repetitive things. And again, it's like, even then, I've, I've, how I've found the time to do that, it's beyond me. But I've thankfully been able to do that. And now that I, we have some time off, I'm, I'm focusing on that even more uh, than I've been able to before. So I'm stoked. Hey, I can see this little chat here. And someone asked a question about Tom's. I would love to answer real quick. Yeah, uh, about just the tuning of toms uh, because they asked uh, as a non-metal drummer realizing the music is generally played in a dense frequency field I've always been curious to how tom tuning is approached uh, I don't actually tune the toms really any different for like metal than I would any other thing maybe the head choice is, uh, is different um, but the tuning of it for the most part uh, I guess I take that back because it's like a jazz set you might tune the bottom head like pretty, pretty high um, I don't approach the tu- the tuning so much any differently than I would the recording of it. Well, even I guess I, the technique is the same, but I, I probably scoop more mids out of it for a metal record. And I always do top and bottom on miking on the toms and bust those into a single track. So the, the, the miking in the, in the, in the EQ after the fact is probably the biggest thing to make it fit in the balance of a metal spectrum. Wow. So top and bottom head miking. Always. Yeah. On to yeah. one track. So yeah. later on, you never want to break that out again. You just strictly to capture the tone, the depth, the, the overall sound. And then from there on, you got it. Always. I, I always stop the bottom and I always like, uh, and I always try to record at a studio, you know, like we did it at 606 uh, hybrid studios in California. Use a lot too. Like uh, before that I was at spin in New York. And I always try to go to a studio that has an actual console for drums solely so I can do that. Cause I like to bust it in. I only want one channel and pro tools at the end of the day. Like I just, and I EQ the toms pretty heavily going into, I pretty much know exactly what I want. Um, it's one of the few things I'm willing to stand behind on all my records. I love the Tom sounds. <laughs> all right, well, it's a, it's a great question, right? So well, yeah. that, that's, yeah. no, that's all right. All. I hijacked you, Taylor. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. So Josh on the Toms, you use the console EQ. Yes. Okay. So you'll just straight, whatever you'll choose the console, console EQ, get the sound you want, then commit that to pro tools and then, that's what you got. Yeah, I'm very happy to do it on an SSL. Like uh, I was always an SSL guy for forever. And at uh, 606, we used a Neve and an API, which are both great. I'm, you know, okay. I'm less, I'm less picky about that. I pretty much know, I'm more picky about the mics that I use and things like that. Okay, awesome. Well, guys, you've been so generous with your time. This is incredible. I want to thank our Cruz and Josh Wilbur on behalf of Modern Drummer. And, and the thousands of people worldwide who are participating in this and watching it. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for sharing your words of wisdom. And uh, the new Lamb of God record drops June 19th, 2020. Uh, it's a great record. Everybody check it out. And uh, thank you, Art. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for having us. Thanks a lot. A lot. Of fun. Our pleasure. And so, everyone, I just want to say a real quick thank you. Modern drummer, Minel drum channel those are the uh the sponsors today moderndrummer.com slash subscribe uh you know it's the number one drum magazine in the world for over 40 years for a reason is that we just provide uh literally endless amounts of information both in print and digitally 
and the subscription is a little more than the price of a cup of coffee every month. And uh, it's just an amazing, amazing uh, value. So I hope everyone will join the Modern Drummer family and subscribe, moderndrummer.com slash subscribe and uh, VIP contests, interviews, features, gear, lessons, all included. Of course, drumchannel.com, one of our premier partners has incredible amounts of learning and education online and uh, also part of the Modern Drummer website. We have exclusive content uh, from Drum Channel, so it's kind of two for one. And Minel Symbols, art's choice of symbols and many other metal drummers. Uh, Minel Symbols are great symbols. So yes, everyone, thank you for tuning in and uh, best of luck out there with your drumming and lives and stay safe and healthy. I'm David Frangioni for Modern Drummer. Be well. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.